0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
1: Hey, hey, how are you? <laughs> it's August 23rd. It's a uh, soon-to-be sweltering Monday, and... uh The big news, just breaking, is that the Food and Drug Administration has taken away from a lot of the people who refuse to get vaccinated the reason they say they won't get vaccinated. And that's good. We'll call them on their bluff if that's, in fact, what it's been. But the FDA has granted full approval to the Pfizer uh, vaccine and uh, thus uh, releasing it from its emergency use uh, designation, and uh, this will set off uh, all kinds of uh, tumult uh, among the uh, anti-vaxxers. It'll also set up uh, a number of uh, mandates, uh, vaccine mandates, now that it is no longer emergency use. It is fully uh, granted uh, status and approval by the FDA. So I think you'll, I know you will, and me too, will start uh, more corporations, uh, more schools, more uh, hospitals, more whatever, uh, state governments, city governments, I don't know, uh, mandate uh, vaccinations. Simple as that. So that is uh, nothing uh, but good news, since this comes at a time when we're seeing these this worrisome uh, surge. Uh, and I I came upon a well here. Let me let me back up because I, I I'm going to go back in time a little bit here, a few days ago when I when I saw and I'm sure you've been seeing this too uh, that the people who just refuse to believe that the vaccines are the best way that is known globally <laughs> to protect at, uh, from the virus but also to kill the damn thing if everybody gets vaccinated to give it no shelter no home um one of the states in which uh the vaccination rate is just woeful i uh it's i think it's under 40 percent might be in the low 30s mississippi although i'm sure you know alabama and arkansas and all those other uh states known for their uh Genius populations uh, also um, have these kinds of issues. We'll see what issues. Was I talking about issues? That was where my mouth just finished a sentence w- without my brain uh, attached at all. It just, it was like, you know, when you're typing and uh, on your computer and the computer. Thinks it's so damn smart, it, it suggests your next word. I like, oh, I know where she's going, it, it, you know, and it's not right. You just go away. Okay, I've now completely forgotten what I was attempting to say. Oh, so, and I know this because one of you, I'm not going to name names, so sweetly sent me an article uh, earnestly imploring me. To read this article about this um, drug that is the answer if you get COVID, and um, for some reason uh, it is not being recognized. It's, it's called ivervectin. and I think I mentioned this um, on on the show. Well, it turns out that that is uh, has gone viral, and so people are Looking for it. And because it is mostly a drug used to deworm livestock, people are going to livestock supply centers, you know, where where a farmer uh, would go to get the stuff he needs. And it's gotten so bad. That the state epidemiologist in Mississippi, pity that guy, a guy named Paul Byers, has had to go uh, on television and beg people to not take ivervectin because people are going into these uh, livestock supply outlets. Personally, I wouldn't know where to find a livestock supply outlet, but, uh, you know, Google it, I guess. And they've been taking it, ingesting it. Well, the calls to poison control centers, the ER visits are surging because these people are getting sick as dogs. So this... Head epidemiologist actually was begging. He actually said, Please, please don't do that. Uh, They've had to desperately try to take, to talk people down. That these, you know, if you're a 1,200 pound uh, steer, I have no idea what a steer weighs. that's the dosage that for this kind I mean, it's not for humans. I mean, Ibervectin apparently is, uh, can be prescribed for people for other things, but not for this. And um, this is all this crapola that's, you know, it's the new hydroxychloroquine. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess some countries in Latin America had been using it as a COVID treatment, but uh, no, it's not for you. It's for a horse. Well, actually, in fact, that's what the guy said. No, this is the FDA FDA has also put out a warning uh, this weekend that says, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all. That's from the FDA. Stop it. Well, where does this come from? Well, it turns out Fox News hosts, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, have been promoting the use of Ivervectin. Senator Ron Johnson said, unbelievable nitwit from my home state of Wisconsin was actually kicked off YouTube for a while for posting a video touting ivervectin. So just want to say, but all of this led to, I think, one of the best tweets I saw this week. At least it was a tweet that made me laugh as opposed to making me cry or, or, you know, run under my bed. Um, The tweet is this. This tweet would not work today since the FDA has approved uh, Pfizer, but this is the tweet. The FDA hasn't fully approved the vaccine, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not Wait. You have that crap that dewormed sheep? Give it to me. And it's this sense that these people who will not. Allow their bodies to be defiled by a vaccine created by actual science, shined off on by doctors, scientists, and health professionals all over the world. Oh no, they're not putting that in my body. But these same people will ingest hydroxychloroquine, Clorox, ivervectin, anything. I mean, it's just. Mind-blowing.
0: Mind-blowing.
1: Hey, and remember the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally? Mm -hmm. The second Sturgis Motorcycle Rally held during the pandemic. The first was believed to be a huge uh, super spreader, although it was very hard to determine how many cases and or deaths came out of it simply because those motorcycles traveled all over the country and contact tracing was impossible. So Sturgis held its second rally. This was even bigger than last year's, uh, just a few weeks ago. And there's no doubt that that would be another super spreader event. Although again, it'll be difficult to trace, but this much we know already. South Dakota, where Sturgis sits, has seen the country's largest two week COVID surge. 230% increase. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, like, how many people
1: can you? In a Volkswagen wagon or in a phone booth, how many idiots can you squeeze into a country? Because I think we got the world record. I think Guin- Somebody got Guinness on the line. Not kidding. Oops, that was me. <laughs> I I I punctuated with my hands, which I tend to do, and and I hit the phone. That was. That, was what that
0: was. Um, Milton, one of our
1: listeners and emailers um sent me uh something yesterday that I just was wonderful i mean i he was reminding me he sent me uh, a a a youtube uh video which happened to be my show. Um about geez, how many years ago was that? About eight years ago. And uh it was me and Tom Sokolowski. God bless his soul. And we were reading an email that Milt had sent that day, which was August twenty second, yesterday's date. And Milton was telling us that it was the birthday of a woman that he just thinks the world of, Dorothy Parker. And Dorothy Parker, that is cervic wit and wondrous writer, uh, who a member of the Algonquin Round And what ends up happening on the show is that uh, Tom and I start reading some of the witticisms that milt has sent us and it we are laughing so hard it is so wonderful you know it's weird to sit and look at your own show from god knows how i was also stunned at my hair i thought jeez your hair really looks nice but i see you're starting to grow it out um and tom with his goofy glasses and me screaming at him because he's sipping through a straw, like, you know. And I and I, I, don't know. I loved it, Milton. I want to thank you for it. One of them, and I was shocked when I heard myself say it, so I'll say it again. Because it is funny. Those of you who don't like four-letter words, the F word in particular, cover your ears because here it comes. Dorothy Parker said. Tell him I was too fucking busy. Or vice versa. <laughs> think about it, think about it. <laughs> ah, she's brilliant. Here's one that's so cracked up, uh, Tom. I like to have a martini. Two at the very most. After three, I'm under the table. After four, I'm under my host. And we learned that Dorothy Parker, uh, and this was surprising, uh, pretty much left her entire estate to the NAACP. And I remember, that made me remember some article I'd read About her being buried uh, at a NAACP uh, uh, site, you know, where there was a chapter and a a building. I hope I'm somewhere near, I think, D.C. It all seems very strange. And that they were selling the building and didn't know what to do with her. Am I making that up? God, I hate it when you just don't know. Um anymore if what you're if what you're remembering is actually true. Uh speaking of that, I I waded into something uh this weekend that I had been telling myself had to be done for decades. And I I did. It it was really two drawers. I've only done one. Uh, in a cabinet, large cabinet, in which I had stuff. Photos, letters, articles, clippings, all this stuff having to do with, well, me. (laughs) It was mostly stuff that I thought, well, you might want to save that. So I thought you've got to someday organize that. I mean, because,
2: what? I mean, I
1: don't know, just because. So, man, that turned into this extraordinary deep dive into my life and stuff I couldn't for the life of me even remember. I had saved letters. There were letters, two letters from Susan that were written in nineteen had to be sixty or sixty one. She was like nine, I think she was about nine years old. I was away at being tortured at this eight-week Jewish summer camp, so miserable. And Susan wrote me these two just adorable little letters. So I was thinking, my God, I'm going to send them to her because I think she should have them. But how odd or not that I had those two letters still. And I'd never like put them someplace that was, you know, organized, like letters from Susan or family letters or something like that. And it makes you remember that having letters, having people write letters, gave you such a wonderful, well, paper trail. Came upon letters from my father and my mom and my my brother, I have just a million of them, and I—they are such a joy. Anyway, just saying. And I came upon like unbelievable mail from. All right, here's one. Here, I'll I'll just share this one because it, it's sitting right here. my entire, what passes for my studio now is my dining room table. And I, my studio is now just on one corner of it. The rest are all those papers and photos, <laughs> which I still have not organized. I mean, I've thrown out a good hunk of it, but I, I don't even know where to start. Anyway, so here's one that's right here. This was written to me in October of 1991 when I'm doing radio on WTAE. And it's written by a woman who signs her name. I'm not going to give it, and it had to be because there were a number of letters from the same period, had to be during the Clarence Thomas uh, hearings, congressional hearings, for his appointment to the Supreme Court. And so that's Anita Hill and all of this. This letter is so indicative of so many that I've gotten throughout my career. I just want to give you a sense. It comes in. Written by a fan. You understand. Okay. Dear Lynn, I have been a big fan of yours. And I felt I just had to write this letter. During the congressional hearings, I was taken back. It's a back. Never mind. I was taken back. At all the bitterness against men, more than usual, coming from you. I have been hearing a lot of comments lately, and people are interpreting your comments, saying you're probably gay. I know you trust your feelings about certain things, but please ease up a little on your comments about men. You know, there's a lot of rotten women out there, too. It's like you get high putting men down. And I feel so bad for you because more and more people are talking about you in social places, at work. I've always been a fan and will continue to listen to you. And I hope you don't interpret this letter to be bashing you because it is not meant to. I think you really don't realize how you're coming off. And you probably think all the women in this area are crazy about you. And I think a lot are. But from what I am hearing, they agree to a point with you. And then they bring up the gay aspect. That is why I am sending you this letter. Sure, you are going to get support from women. But I have been hearing a lot of women really making terrible, terrible remarks about you. I'm sorry to have been so blunt. It really is not my style, but I do think you are a good person and I hope I give you something to think about. Thank you. And it's Now, um, I probably saved that just because, again, it's like a historical record of the kind of stuff that women in... A position of perceived power. Who are not married <laughs> are constantly getting, constantly. And um, and clear the undercurrent is that being gay is a really bad thing. They're whispering about being so. It's also historical in showing, you know, the animus, the uh, homophobic nature of uh of our culture i'm glad to say a lot of progress has been made in that regard right since that uh was written okay i'll give you one more because i'm sorry it's right here and then i'm this is from the very beginnings of my career, and it startled me. So I've held on to this since December of 1977. I'm Pittsburgh is a place I've never been to. Um, I'm living on a pig farm in Mazomanie, Wisconsin, right outside of Madison. And I'm working in my first job in television in Madison. And here is the letter from someone in Beaver Dam. Dear Miss Cullen, we enjoy seeing you on Channel 3. My daughter notes how beautifully you dress, and each outfit seems more attractive than the last. I'm wondering if you give away clothing you no longer wear. My daughter's a tall girl. And would be happy to wear anything you no longer wear. If need be, I can remodel clothing. At this time, anything would be appreciated. Well. You know, I'm. I don't recall that I sent her a damn thing and now I'm feeling I should have. I think I was just stunned that someone was asking for my clothes. But as I read it now, older, wiser, it breaks my heart. Uh, Okay, I'll stop. Thanks, Mel Parker's resting place. Yeah. The ashes of the wisecracking New York writer have been shelved in the obscurity of a lawyer's office. Uh and that's yeah, the NAACP's got her ashes. There were proposals to sprinkle her remains in the Hudson River or paint them into art. Finally, her ashes were interred beneath a plaque in a Baltimore business park. Okay, that, this is it. so I did remember this right. But I guess then they were moving? It's kind of heartbreaking that she's being moved again, said New York writer Ellen Meister. She really suffered so much disrespect in terms of her final remains. It's a tragic end to a very difficult life. Wow. She's known to have attempted suicide at least twice. Oh, and then here's more of her stuff. The first thing I do in the morning is brush my teeth and sharpen my tongue. Oh. She's the one who said men seldom make passes at girls who wear glasses, something I always took to heart and so was blind. I was so nearsighted but wouldn't wear glasses. I'd be walking into walls. Um, Here's Dorothy Parker on romance. It serves me right for putting all my eggs in one bastard. And she famously ad-lib Do a rhyme with horticulture. Some rhyme with horticulture. And she just right off her bat, you can lead a whore to culture, but you can't make her think. Okay, I'll stop. Um, But yeah, she, wow. She was arrested. Uh, She she was with Dr. King uh, marching. uh, Wow. And she left her entire estate Uh, Dr. King saying she wanted her money to benefit the civil rights movement and after he was assassinated her money went to the NAACP wow so a wondrous woman Milton you have good taste Uh, Dorothy Parker uh would have been a hundred and God knows what, uh, yesterday. Okay. Actually, I've got another, um, do you mind? I mean, no, this is so much better than talking about the horror of the present. I also got this fascinating letter from, um, father Joseph and I'm assuming he has no problem with me sharing it. Um, he writes uh, about the fact that he was uh, when he was in the Air Force um, and a captain. He was put into some special program at George Washington University uh, with 49 other. Captains. Um, and it's it was a program for captains that they thought were going places. Um, so. He says, one day we were getting a briefing from an expert on missile defense. The speaker, would you believe he was a member of the Doobie Brothers? (laughs) This guy walks in with a ponytail, jeans, leather jacket, and boots. And he was very knowledgeable. So it's Jeff Baker who, yeah, was with the Doobie Brothers, and I think some other band. Didn't he play with some other bands, too? And and for some reason, it's not letting me open up the Wikipedia page, because I've got this ridiculous um, old... Wait. So, I can get something here. So he... Yeah, he became like an, he originally got into looking at certain scientific ways to deal with music. Um, And that brought him into uh, dealing with some stuff that uh, the, you know, military was, was using. And then he just kept going further and further and further down the rabbit hole. And he truly became somebody that was, Obviously taken seriously enough that he was briefing uh the best and brightest young captains in the air force and this one thing you said, which I captured, I thought was such a wonderful um way of looking at you know where you find information where i mean where, where you no know, about creativity about using something in a different way than it had been used before. And he, as for instance, he said, you know, we thought turntables were for playing records until rappers began to use them as instruments. And, and we thought airplanes were for carrying passengers until terrorists realized They could be used as missiles. And so he says, my big thing is to look at existing technologies and try to see other ways they can be used, which happens in music all the time and happens to be what terrorists are incredibly good at. Isn't that, <laughs> uh, yeah, Doobie brothers. Life's Interesting.
0: Okay.
1: And what else do I have here? Um, Well, you missed the opportunity. You could have uh, you could have bought Tom Hanks' airstream travel trailer, thirty-four footer. Yep, he put it up for sale along with some other cars he had. Did you see this? Um, he got it originally because you know he's making movies all over the place, and as he said. I'd spent too much time in those trailers that the studios would give them with ugly decor and horribly uncomfortable furniture. So I decided, well, you're Tom Hanks, I'm sure you have for it, to buy a brand new Airstream, just an empty shell with an interior made to my own request. And this was 1992 that he bought it. And this was before Airstream became like the, so wildly popular. So Tom Hanks, um, Airstream, what did it, it was Sleepless in Seattle, a great chick flick. Sleepless in Seattle that he was working on, and that was the first, that's when he said, I need me my own. Airstream, and I have to say that this, that Airstream, uh, traveled from Seattle across the country to Beaufort, South Carolina, where he was filming. Come on, Beaufort, South Carolina. Yeah, Forrest Gump. It also went to Philadelphia for mm hmm Philadelphia and even relatively I think of this as recently although I'm sure it's not but that's what happens when you're old uh to New York City uh for Sully about Sullenberger um and it came with all the stuff in it and all that kind of stuff so what do you think of Oh, and here's a neat one. It also, when he did Apollo 13, he said he and Ed Harris and Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon, and they were all dressed as astronauts, drove the Airstream still in their, um, you know, in their astronaut wear. Obviously, it was close enough to where they were filming, Um uh, and they went to visit a gravesite, which they did in their astronaut year. I would so love a picture of this. What was the grave site? One of the greatest performer movie performers of all time. Buster Keaton. No relationship to Michael. Buster Keaton. Brilliant. Brilliant. I just can't, the picture of those four actors dressed as Apollo 13 astronauts standing in silence at Buster Keaton's grave. Hanks, by the way, said, Keaton did not respond. Well, that's not funny. So what do you think it went for? Obviously, you know, there's history in it and all that, besides it being, I suppose, a pretty nice Airstream. Um, Let me see. What did it go for? You think I know? Ah. $235,000.
0: Well...
1: I guess if you got it, you can spend it. Two hundred and thirty four thousand. And the guy doing the auction admitted that if this had been the same trailer but not with the Tom Hanks connection and all that history that it comes with, uh it maybe would have gotten half that much. So just saying. You know, that's the way the world works. So you're so rich, like you're Tom Hanks, you're so rich that when you're trying to clean your, you know, like I'm trying to clean out that one drawer. But if you're Tom Hanks and you're trying to clean out your garage, I guess. And you think, well, I guess I'll just, you know, put it out there. You end up making more money you just can't stop making money.
0: I mean, the rich, when you're rich,
1: you just get richer. That's the way that works. I'm just saying. That's the way that works. You see the AFL-CIO got a woman leader? That's the first. And the second in command is a black man, a steel who who was with the I, I actually think I've interviewed this guy. Fred Redmond. He's the top uh officer with the uh steel workers. He was, and now he's going to be um the second at the AFL CIO, which is the um, it's not the vice president. It is whatever she was. It, it was uh, I don't know. Um, so she takes after. She takes over after the shocking death of Rich Trumpka. Her name is Liz Schuler. Secretary Treasurer is the second position. She had been and widely believed to be Trump is, you know, next in line. And there she is. So that's historic. Hey, I I, I just I, I do want to say that as we go from, you know, weeks of deluge to now weeks of searing heat, um, you know, the weather <laughs> Uh, The weather is scary. I'm not saying our weather is necessarily that scary, but, you know, I don't think a day goes by that I now don't read. And this could be that we're being, a little of it could be that we're aware now. And so these stories get bigger coverage than maybe they would have. Would have flood in Tennessee, have made the front page uh, 20 years ago? Yeah, this blood would have, because it came out of nowhere. And they know, I have the latest numbers, the numbers I'm looking at are 22, 22 people known dead and more than that, missing, which isn't usually a good thing. And that was, yeah, in... Pretty much wiped out this town, Waverly, Tennessee. Now that's the kind and think of what we saw in Germany. This is the kind of, you know, these weather events are really stunning. Scary. And at the same time, there were four there are four people dead and four missing in North Carolina after a flash flood just came and now, that doesn't seem like anything when you're, you know, next to Tennessee, but these numbers just keep going up and up. And you see the devastation from the Tennessee flood. You know, the the homes obliterated, the cars just picked up and tossed around. Wow. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just saying. Whether... It's, is now something that we have to shear. Used to be, they say, severe thunderstorm warning, and you think, yeah. And then, the way it's been lately, a severe thunderstorm warning could mean a tree falls on you. I mean, branches just come. By. I've got a lot of old trees around me, and, man, they're little by little just being... Ripped apart by these storms. Anyway, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Ah, Ben, thank you. Uh, so uh, the guitarist whose last name is Baxter—did I say Baker? I met Baxter. I—I I wrote down Baxter. Did I say Baker? I think Ginger Baker. Anyway, his name is Baxter. And he played with the Doobie Brothers, but also with Steely Dan. That's right. And he's a, uh, yeah, he's a uh, considered a national security uh, terrorist type, brilliant uh, expert. God, unbelievable! It's sort of like you know when you found out that Hetty Lamar, that gorgeous, I mean, she's so gorgeous, you could hardly it hurt to look at her. That Hedy Lamarr was like a genius who tried to get the the military to listen to what she had to say about using sonar during World War II. (laughs) You think what? Hmm? What What'd you say? It's true.
2: Sorry.
1: Do I have a call? Is that what that was? I have a call.
2: Hello. Not only do you have a call, you have the call. Oh. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Speaking of global warming, the weather event that, like, I don't know, shocked me, made my eyebrows go up, is that it rained in Greenland. For the first time in recorded yeah, right. history, talk about global warming. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> the the globe is warm. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah, that, you know, that. There were, that's that. Go ahead.
1: Terrible. Yeah. And there's hundred degree temperatures that were recorded in Siberia. Yeah. Siberia is just melting away, creating unbelievable. I mean, that's why all these. You know, mastodons are popping out of the earth left and right that have been lying there in the permafrost for, I mean, herds of them just coming out of nowhere.
2: Yeah. Ah. I, and it's one of those things where, you know, I usually have, I don't know, some kind of answer or some kind of positive spin on something. I'm, I, I don't have one. It's like, no. Yeah. There's, there's no. just like no positive, you know, even with the um, – because you know I'm into like the science thing and this being able to study these animals and you know find all these fossils, but at the same time they could be releasing pathogens and viruses and all kinds of stuff that's been buried in the permafrost that we have no immune against. You know, you think the COVID? That, bad. Is, <laughs> that
1: is correct. Yeah, You're absolutely right. Don't want to. You don't want to know half the stuff you
2: know anymore. Yeah. No, yeah, it's scary. It all leads to one word. We're doomed.
0: <laughs>
2: when the COVID hit, you know, there's a tribe in South America that, you know, that they, can, they only film them from the sky. You know, I said, well, there's, there's the saviors of humanity right there. Those guys living in the jungle that, you know, <laughs> that no other human breathes on besides themselves. You know, they might be the saviors of humanity. <laughs> so...
1: I or you know, know, cockroaches
2: will develop a brain, you know, so who knows?
1: <laughs> no, we're 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 goners. I agree. I totally agree with you. I mean and I, I just feel For the kids someone said to yeah, for the kids, and someone said to me the other day, um, if you were of childbearing age, would you have a child? And I don't think so. I mean, I never did. I adopted a child. I can see where that's still something that people need to do, but actually producing another child and bringing them into this world. I'm not so sure. Although even in my own family, there've been three little kids born in, in this pandemic. So they're, you know, humans got to do what humans got to do, which is they got to procreate.
2: It's a basic instinct. And yet, why would you? Here's, I know, I, you know, I've never had any children, and, and, and it is quite intentional, you know. Yeah, I know. The, I yeah, know. And that, and um, but here's the argument uh, from the other side: you you possibly can produce, be producing that person who's going to save the planet, <laughs> you know, the, the genius that never that. was born. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, but you know what? I'm always thinking the person that could save the planet is already here, but they're yeah. living, unfortunately, in some impoverished country where they're not a given an education.
2: It's, it's exactly a,
1: yeah, right. So, no, a, geniuses are all here.
2: Uh, I did a cartoon that sent me in when I was in art school. You know, during cartooning class, that sent me to they sent me to the counselor after I did it. This is this is like this is like 1982. I I did like a fake newspaper headline that read, "The cure for cancer discovered, shot dead by a stray bullet." (laughs) You know, it was like a child that was you know, know, yeah. That that was that long ago. (laughs) So yeah, so that that that's the same feeling that you have there. That there's the um uh you know all 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 of our brain human brain power isn't isn't being used. You oh, know? No, it's near it. It. And what yeah. is used? I
1: mean think of all the okay. So think of all the people the only brain power that was being used uh at least in our you know culture mm-hmm. was white men.
2: Yeah. And That's even right. when black women came up with something white men took the credit. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
1: That's right. That that is absolutely correct. Yeah. So, so, we've never used our, our brain power. And mm-hmm. um, this idea that you have to keep producing new babies when there's people all over this all, world.
2: All over the place. <laughs> that's that, that's uh, I was going to say about educating people. I was going to say something, but they, forget I it. I'm, hey, I'm, hey, old I'm, I'm old too. Old. <laughs> I'm old. Like say, old. I can I, say, there's, there's absolutely no question about it. You know, you, that I can't I can't remember things from one second to the next. I I started writing I things down. <laughs> Isn't
1: it something it is humbling? Uh-huh. Uh it's humbling. Yeah. And you know, I I I was telling my mother some stuff I found in this, you know, all these papers I unearthed and she said, Oh, I don't remember that She said, I just don't remember that I said, Mom, I don't remember them so no so high. i mean she doesn't remember more than i don't remember but i you know we do we just can't i don't know Here's, it, our brains get overwhelmed or get
2: stuck it's too full of stuff <laughs> i always tell um i always tell people my goal in life was to be an old guy that told stories because i liked old guys who told stories when
0: uh-huh. you know when
2: i when i was younger and um People always tell me, yeah, I, you, you talk too much. And I always say, yeah. I I say, I know that, but don't think I'm going to stop because from telling the stories of my past, I'm helping to remember my past. You know, there so is- uh, yeah, that's um, although,
1: that's one thing that I do. <laughs> although we have to admit this, us storytellers, as we tell stories. We sometimes add a little you know oh. for a good story, you add a an adjective here, an embellishment there, and absolutely so, <laughs> and so after a while, these you want to remember your life, well, the stories might not be all that
2: accurate, and yeah and, and, and to I mean? me to me, that doesn't matter, as long as the <laughs> gist is there, you know what <laughs> I mean as long as the right. gist okay. is there of the story. That you're telling, yeah. like the younger people, they get the gist yeah, of it. Made you know? it
1: I got yeah, it. you just
2: made it better. You got to make it interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, so that they listen.
1: <laughs> I hear you. From yeah.
2: one storyteller to another. Always good to hear from you, Clarence. Okay.
1: Hopefully, I didn't talk too
2: much. <laughs> you always talk too much. <laughs> Bye. I gotta go, I go real quick. I gotta find this rap song that that you just said. There's this rap song called "You Talk Too Much." You never shut up. I gotta, I gotta go find it now. Put it in my. Yes, you do. That's <laughs> your theme song. Yeah. I gotta put it in my uh, iPod list or whatever it is. <laughs>
1: Maybe that should be my show open. Thank
2: you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Oh, Mel, honestly. He says Hedy Lamarr had another famous first. She had the first. She she was in a movie. This is before she came to the United States. She was running from Hitler. The, the before she came to she was in the first non-pornographic film to feature a woman having an orgasm on screen. She was 18 years old, and it catapulted her into international stardom. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah she was so gorgeous um she had six failed marriages oh um okay so here's the thing about it. she along with the composer george Antheil. Not pronouncing it right. She invented and patented a frequency hopping technology that allowed missiles to go undetected. Well, geez, orgasms, missiles to go, that go, you know, undetected missiles. It was not used in time, for, it was not used during World War Two. It did play a role in the Cold War, even contributing to the de-escalation of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, Lamar uh, died at the age of 85 in the year 2000. Boy, I'll tell you, some people—some people—are pretty astonishing. What they do. She was obviously given many gifts. An extraordinary brain, an extraordinary beauty. Yeah. So another astonishing life is uh, in the news today, the life of Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker, who was born in St. Louis in 1906. And uh, her name was Frida Josephine McDonald. Maybe that's why I was saying Baker instead of Baxter, because I had in mind to share this story about Josephine Baker. What an extraordinary human being. She was a dancer. This is how she started her career in New York in the early 20s. But she very quickly left the country and headed to France where she became an international star. And she said, she was very clear about why she left. The quote, I just couldn't stand America. And I was one of the first colored Americans to move to Paris. Well, she was later joined by Richard Wright, James Baldwin,
0: so many others.
1: It was our racism that that sent her overseas. Um, She was an extraordinary woman. Funny, smart, courageous. During World War II, She served as an ambulance driver in France and as an intelligence agent, earned many medals of honor. In the 50s, she famously adopted a dozen orphans from all over the world, various nationalities, races, religions. And she lived out her life with these children, raising them in her chateau in southwestern uh, France. The reason she's in the news is because the French government, actually the French president, because he's the only one who can make the call, has decreed that she will be reburied talking about reburying a lot of wondrous women, Dorothy Parker, Josephine Baker, she will be laid to rest in what's called the Pantheon, which is where France plants its most storied dead. She'll be interred along with Victor Hugo and Marie Curie, Jean Jacques Rousseau. Her remains right now are in Monaco, but they will be transferred. And this will be a state funeral. The first, I don't know, is she the first black? person or the first non French I mean she became a French citizen, yes, she will be the first black woman to be interred there and one of very few foreign born to be interred there Josephine Baker. She became a just passionate civil rights advocate. And this is weird that these two women were talking about Josephine Baker and um, Dorothy Parker. And we're talking about both of them and their burials and, and, you know, and the one much honored Baker, the other much forgotten Dorothy Parker. But the other thing, these two women of, you know, disparate biographies had in common was they both were like really passionate about civil rights and like uh Parker Baker wrote about racial equality she when she would come back to America she would never perform in a segregated venue and In 1963, she spoke at the John Washington, the famous march with Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. Josephine Baker was there and herself spoke at that event. And Dorothy Parker left her estate, which, by the way, was not a lot of money. Her estate was valued, I believe, at $40,000, if I'm recalling correct. Which was, I mean, you would think somebody who was that famous would have had more money, but she did not. She had a tough life. But she had 40 thou, and she gave it to Dr. King to use in his campaign against racial inequality. But then he was killed, and it went to the NAACP, which has her ashes. Well, I didn't even realize that we had that kind of, you know, blah, 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 blah. I didn't realize those two little items dovetailed so beautifully and I think that takes us to the end for today and I thank you so much for spending any of this time with me and uh, I'll be back tomorrow because quite frankly I don't have anything else to do have a good day stay cool
0: Lynn Cullen live